It's great to be with you all here. So uh, how many are normally first service people? You usually come first service. Oh, you just raise your hand. There's no noise with that. You just, okay, that's, that's us. We, could, we wake up early, we grab our coffee. Come on. How about uh, second service people normally? Where are you guys at? All right. How many showed up today and someone was in your seat? <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, we get into our norms. I just saw one, one fight. That's it. That's it. I'm like, hey, this is where I sit. But no, this is great. It's so good to be with you. Uh, our uh, idea of doing this uh, every Labor Day weekend, we do one service, and our hope is that it's a time to see people who are part of your church that maybe you don't always see because maybe you come a little bit later um, or, you know, whatever. You just don't cross paths all the time. So it's a great opportunity for us to see other people who are part of Seacoast. And so we're glad to have all of you with us here today. Um, I want to invite you to open your Bibles to the book of Acts chapter 2. You can, uh, if you're new to the Bible, that's like two-thirds of the way through. If you use a digital version on your phone or whatever, you can go there. Acts chapter 2 is, uh, we're going to spend a little bit of time in there. Now, if you're a guest with us here today, I want to welcome you, and we're so glad you're here, and let you know that today we're doing things a little different. Uh, differently than we normally would. So this service, we're going to have a couple different elements. It's uh, normally what we do is we have a little bit of worship. We have a time, an extended time of teaching and a response time. And today it's going to be broken up a little bit because we've been talking about what is the church. In fact, in the month of August, we went through the series called uh, Ecclesia, and it's the Greek word that we use for church. And it means a called out people. And so the church was intended to be a group of people who were called out to be different. And there's a few things that we learned about the church. Uh, one, a church is a, people, a, a gathering of people who are loyal and built upon the work and the ways of Jesus. Okay, So a church is, f- first and foremost, a built on the foundation of the works, words, and teachings of Jesus. And that's our foundation. We sang about, him, about Jesus this morning. You are not a church if you're built on the foundation of a political ideology. You're not a church if you're just built on a, a, you're a gathering of people who, who like the same things. You're not a church if it's just because you surround around, you have the same ethnicity. No, the, the church is a gathering of people who are called out and built on the foundation of Jesus. You with me on that? And so that's what one thing we found, is that's the beginning of a church. So the other thing is this, the church has a shared mission. We believe that Jesus called us to go and make disciples of all the nations. That's the mission that he has, and he has a church for his mission. And it wasn't just, I need to come up with something for the church to do, but no, he had something to do. He wants the whole world to know about his love and his grace, and he said, I will create a church, a gathering of people, for my mission of redeeming and rescuing the world, my creation. So we have a shared mission. For us here at Seacoast, we say uh, we exist to help people discover life in Jesus and learn to follow him or learn to walk in his ways. That's essentially, that's the mission that Jesus gave to us. Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So that is what the church is. It's built on Jesus. We have a shared mission. The other thing we learned is that it's made up of a bunch of very different people. Look around really quick. Look to your right and left. Would you agree we are very different people? Well, we are. Okay, no one agrees, but it's true. If you're not sure if you agree, uh, look at your Amazon homepage, and uh, you will see that we are very different people, probably, on whatever your search history is or whatever conversations you have in your house that mysteriously the, the advertisements pop up on your phone. You know that we have different interests and different things. Where that, uh, but 
the church is everybody with differences, your own uniqueness, your gifting. Here's the thing. Together on mission and the church is united even in our differences because of Christ. So we learn that you bring your uniqueness, your gifts, your style, your personality, and in Christ we are united together. That's what makes a church great. The church is not great if we all believe this, or, or all thought the same, we all look the same, we all everything, it, other than we all agree in Jesus and his work and his ways, but we bring our uniqueness. The church is so much better when we have different languages and different ethnicity and different ways of looking at the world. That is what it's going to be like in heaven. Do you know that? And so why not have a picture of that here on earth? And so the church is strong when we are united in our diversity. So we found that, and then last week we looked at, again, the church is, because of that unity, we are together. That we are laser focused, we are all about what God has called us to do, and we said we are on mission together. Last week when we ended our time, we went to a, a volunteer lunch, and we had a, a, about 150 of you who said we're together on mission as a church. What an amazing display, and I know some of you couldn't be there. It's a beautiful picture of the church saying we're together on mission. We want Encinitas and North San Diego to know about Jesus and to find life in him because we believe that in Jesus we have healing in our marriages. We have restoration from addiction. We have um, hope in a broken and hurting world that we can have hope, and that's Jesus through you and through me to this world, and so we're together on mission. So what I want to do today is just really quickly look in Acts chapter 2. Because the first Christians, the first church, believed everything I just said. And there's a picture of how they were functioning together. So look at Acts chapter 2. I'm going to pick it up in verse 40. And this was Peter was, was speaking, and it says this. Uh, he was kind of teaching all those who are part of the church. These are Jesus followers. And it said, many, And with many other words, Peter solemnly testified and kept on urging them, saying, Be saved. From this corrupt generation. In other words, he brought a message saying, hey, you're not, we're living in a broken world. We're living in a world where people are taking life from one another and there's hurt and there's pain. But be saved from that. There's hope in Jesus. Verse 41. So then, those who had received his word were baptized. And that day they were added about 3,000 souls. That's a pretty good church service. Would you agree? <laughs> That's pretty amazing, that one. I would like to see that. And they were continually devoting themselves to, and I want you to see, there's four things here. If you like to take notes, underline in your Bible, all those things, underline these. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So this is the first disciples of Jesus. So they were teaching about how Jesus was the fulfillment of scriptures, teaching them everything Jesus taught them, which was, listen, this is a continuation of the story from Genesis chapter 1 till now. So the apostles' teaching was, this is who Jesus is, the fulfillment of all scripture. He's the, the culmination of God's plan. He was teaching about who Christ is and his work on the cross, what it accomplished, and how it was predicted from the beginning. So they're, the apostles' teaching, and also they're teaching them everything that Jesus showed them. This is how we live this truth out in our world day after day. So they're devoted to this teaching about the works of Jesus, the words of Jesus, and the ways of Jesus. The apostles' teaching. The next thing, they were committed to fellowship. That's such a churchy word, isn't it? How many of you were hanging out at school and like, I'm just going to fellowship with some kids at lunch today? It's such a churchy word. Uh, and, it's, it, and it literally means fellowship. So... Uh, <laughs> 
What it actually means, it's, this, it's an integrated partnership. It's actually a very intimate word. It goes beyond just saying, like, we ate lunch together. It means that there was some interconnectedness of your life with one another. Koinonia is the Greek word. And it is, they fellowship, they, their lives were interconnected because they were united and they cared. It said, to the breaking of this, this word, our translations here should say, to the breaking of the bread. So this is a little different. Sometimes you have in scripture, breaking of bread, and this is the breaking of the bread, which means communion. We'll talk about that a little bit later. He's literally saying one of the things that they did together is the breaking of the bread, which is communion and to prayer. So those things are what they were doing together. They were committed to the teaching. That's why Sundays, we come here, we listen, we work through the word of God, and, and we want to rightly understand it. We want to have daily walk with him, um, and, and we want to really allow the teachings of Jesus to become transformative in our lives. Fellowship. We want to be connected to one another, internet, or intimately connected. Our lives are interconnected. Communion, which we'll talk about why that was such a big deal, and to prayer. Skip down a little bit. If we go, actually, let's, go to, let's just keep going. Verse 43 says, Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And the believers were together. They had all things in common, and they would sell their property and possessions and share them with anyone to the extent that there was a need. In other words, what this really means is, is this meant they were meeting each other's needs, and if they had the ability to do so, they would do so. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. This is the difference here, this is they were eating together, hanging out together, and they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God, and get this, having favor with all the people, and the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. The church was being the church, and look at the result. They were having favor with all the people. Friends, there's been too many times throughout history where the church did not have favor with the people. But when the church was actually being the church, putting on the heart of Jesus and built on the foundation of Jesus and his teaching, that all of a sudden what you had was people found favor. They said, wow, these Christians, there's something about them that was compelling. When Christ gets a hold of our lives and we act as people who are new creations in the life of Christ, all of a sudden we find that others have favor with the church. They don't say, oh, I don't want to be a part of them. In fact, one of the things that breaks my heart is the younger generation, uh, millennials and Gen Z, are increasingly walking away from church and not because necessarily they don't believe. It's because the association with Christianity and some of the associations, even with this word evangelical, which means believing in the Bible, believing in Jesus, that so many are saying, I, uh, whatever that means, I can't be a part of it. That's heartbreaking. To say I don't want to be a part of something that means that Jesus is the hope of the world is heartbreaking. But the church hasn't done ourselves a favor if a whole generation is being pushed away by the way we've lived it out. So that's not the picture God had for us. So they were together, and they were finding favor. So this morning, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have a couple different things happen where we're going to practice being the church. And you're going to hear from some people uh, at Seacoast who are going to share part of their story and how the church was with them. The first one I want to invite up, you ready for this? 
Come on up. So Devin Herman is going to come on up. Let's welcome Devin up here. Devin, I know you're not afraid to speak in public because we hear you often. So, uh, but Devin uh, wants to just share a little bit about her journey this year and wrote it out, so that's good. Don't be afraid of that. So go ahead and share. All right. I got the microphone now. Are you nervous? <laughs> I'll, I'll stick to the script. Um, hi, Seacoast. <laughs> hey, buddy. Um, okay. So, yeah, my husband and I, we've been going to Seacoast here for about 17 years now. And um, Seacoast, you have shown me what family is. And over those 17 years that we've been here, you've modeled it so well to us. Ryan just talked about the heart of Jesus. What's in this room and the testimonies that we hear of how you all share the heart of Jesus with each other and how you shared it with me and my family over the years, including this past year, was a really hard one for our family. And our whole family felt fully supported from my two kids, my husband, to me. And I just want to say thank you. Um, it's special what's in this room. And I love that today we have two services combined because it's the full community of Seacoast. Keep going. Don't stop. Um, one thing that I was most pumped about when I took the position six years ago was getting to be a point in a child's life where I get to plant seeds of faith. Um, I didn't grow up in the church, so um, I didn't, but I can very much look back at my childhood, and there were people along the way that were planting seeds of faith. I just didn't recognize it or notice it. And as I look across this room, I see so many people that have been part of kids ministry in some way either previously you've helped in kids ministry um, as a helper a teacher a leader or maybe you're currently serving in kids ministry or maybe you helped with an event um, mops facts if you've ever helped in kids ministry in some way can you stand up previous years um, stand up where are you there we go yeah. currently you're serving Students, you absolutely are part of it. Students, stand up. Many of you have been a big part of it. Mops, wait, 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 stand, stay standing. Sorry, sorry. Mops, you count. Mops people, perfect. There you are. Seacoast, look around at all these people. As a mom with two kids in the program, you guys have all come alongside our children so well. And every time you serve with joyful hearts, you guys are the ones planting those seeds of faith in our children. And I just want to say thank you to that. Keep going. Don't stop. Thank you, guys. You can sit down. Um, underqualified, I felt when I took the position six years ago. Underqualified because I'd never seen a kid's ministry before, um, before Seacoast. Um, but I knew I could offer two things. I, I knew I could love the kids and I could love the families. And I knew I could share with the kids my experience. What, what happened to me when I asked Jesus to come in my heart and be my friend. I knew I could share with the kids the love, the joy, the peace, the forgiveness that comes with that. And that he did that for me and he can do that for you. And um, got to hold on. I was going good for a little while there. <laughs> 
Okay, so to all the families that have kids that have gone through the program, I just want to say thank you for allowing me to be part of your child's faith journey for a season. Um, it, it has been an honor, and they have taught me so much. Um, the amazing thing about it is that we don't have to be on staff to share that same message. You guys are already sharing that same message with your friends, with your coworkers, with your neighbors, with your family. Um, keep going. Don't stop. That message needs to get out. And then lastly, to the, to the staff and the elders that are in this room, um, getting to be a part of your team has been an absolute blast. Um, it was like the most unique work experience I've ever been a part of. Get this, you get paid to pray. <laughs> but honestly, there were so many things that I could mention that have just touched me about being part of your team along with the elders. Um, but one thing that really meant the world to me um, was um, just the day I joined your team. It wasn't just me, it was very much my husband and my two boys joining the team. And we all felt cared for and as a family. And I see across the board, um, you guys do that with all the, the staff and the elders and the, their spouses and their families. And it's, it's really unique and really special. And that's definitely the heart of Jesus. And keep going. Don't stop. <laughs> I've said this before. I'm going to say it again. Seacoast, you have the coolest kids. And hands down, Seacoast, you have the cutest, sweetest babies. So keep going. <laughs> Don't stop. <laughs> That's great. Well, thank you, Devin, for sharing. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, as maybe some of you know or don't know, uh, Devin stepped down from her position last uh, January, and, as, and it's been fun to still have them as a part of the Seacoast family, and even popping in and volunteering and, and stuff. And I, I'm glad you still want me to be you know, a part of your family's life because our fantasy football league that I'm in together, that I've won three of the last four years, I just wonder about that. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, we, we love the picture of what it means to be a family together, and uh, one thing that we uh, noticed is in the first church that they said when there were needs, they tried to come around and meet them. And uh, we're going to do one other thing with that. Sometimes that was, hey, this, there was a financial need, but often it was there was someone who was going through a tough time, sick, hurting, they needed prayer. And so we um, are going to do something again. We don't often do this, but I want to invite one of our elders, Greg Byers, to come on up. And we have a couple families in our church right now that are going through a uniquely difficult time. And scripture calls us as elders to pray over them and to ask God to do something. And we believe that God is the God who's able to heal and to uh, comfort us in our pain. And so we have two families and they both have agreed that we can pray over them by name. And just so you know, um, Catherine Nichols, um, David and Catherine Nichols, they've been a long time part of Seacoast and part of our coffee ministry. Um, over the last two months and really the last month, uh, they realized some pretty tough news of having a stage four cancer. Catherine has it. And uh, is, uh, finally got in, started a radiation this last week. But I said, hey, can we pray for you guys as a church? Not just we've been praying, but we want to say publicly and pray. And they agreed. And then the other one um, is Kevin Barrett. Maybe many of you know he also, over the last six months, has kind of found out, too, he has uh, been diagnosed with a form of cancer that has also spread. 
And uh, so both of them are, are going through some tough times right now. And the Bible tells us and calls us to pray. And we don't know how that works. We don't even know what the results will always be. But we do know what God's asked us to do. And so um, Greg, is, uh, on behalf of the elders of the church, is going to lead us in prayer. But as a, a church, let's unite together for these two families, the Nichols and the Barretts. And so we're going to ask you, Greg's going to just share a little bit first, but I want to ask you, would you stand as a form of unity and solidarity? But, and then Greg, take it from there. Yeah. And Kevin, if you're here and you'd like to come up, come on up. Um, <clears throat> You know, since I learned uh, about Catherine and Kevin's um, situation, I've been praying for them regularly. Um, and you might remember um, about this time last year, um, I stood up here and you prayed for me because I was going through a season of cancer. And uh, so when Ryan asked me yesterday if I would like to pray for them, I said, of course. Um, I'd be more than happy to pray. And, um, you know, as I was asking for God's wisdom and words to use for today, uh, he gave me some, some specific things that I wanted to say. So like Devin, I, I wrote a few things down just in case, but um, two things that he put on my heart were, one was uh, 2 Corinthians, uh, where you know we all have times of trouble, and he gives us sometimes those times of trouble to give us experiences and sharpen our character so that we can help others in their times of trouble. And the other things I thought uh, ran across was uh, Acts 4. So I will probably cover that at some point. But, you know, where uh, when we ask in the name of Jesus, uh, we can expect miraculous things to happen. Um, so if you would join me in prayer. Um, Elders, if you would just come up and help lay, uh, put hands on if you're available. And let's pray as Greg leads us. So, uh, Catherine and, and Kevin. Uh, yeah, Father in heaven, um, we're so grateful for you and, and what you've done for us. And uh, we know you love Catherine and Kevin, and um, we know they love you too. Um, you can see it uh, through their actions and, and how they willingly uh, serve you uh, in doing the good works that you've prepared in advance for them. And uh, Lord, in my uh, cancer season, you revealed several things to me, but one uh, in particular was not only, it was how much I was loved. Um, not only loved by my biological family, but loved by my church family. Um, uh, Lord, uh, how they overwhelmingly, uh, in good ways, uh, cared for and comforted me and my family. and. That's what I pray for, for Kevin and Catherine. Um, Lord, I'm reminded of uh, 2 Corinthians, you know, where Paul um, writes about the, the goodness uh, of you and your compassion and, and the comfort uh, you give us in times of trouble so that we can comfort those in time of trouble. So, Lord, I pray that you use each and every one of our experiences from our times of trouble to specifically and lovingly care for Kevin and Catherine in their time of trouble. And as I mentioned in Acts 4, uh, we're told to stretch out our hands to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of our holy servant, Jesus. We're doing that now on behalf of Kevin and Catherine and for their families. 
we pray for miraculous signs of healing in your name. I'd like to specifically pray for divine appointments with knowledgeable and skilled doctors and caregivers that perform their calling with excellence. Doctors that communicate clearly and truthfully in words that can be understood uh, with just enough information to have Catherine and Kevin be informed, but not to be overwhelmed with minutia. And, and Lord, I pray for caregivers that are compassionate, caring, with an unbelievably soft and easy bedside manner. And Lord, what you show me is how hard it is for my family with navigating uh, my season of cancer. You know, the unknown, what's going to happen now, but also what's going to happen in the future. You know, the sleepless nights from feeling powerless and not knowing what to, to do to make me feel better. How much support was too much? How much support was too little? The uncertainty certainly caused a high level of anxiousness. And Lord, I pray for Catherine and Kevin's families that they see evidence that you're in control and lead them to actions that will cause the patients to be comforted and to calm any anxious feelings with peace. So Lord, with love for you and love for Catherine and Kevin, we commit them to your care. And it's in your name we pray, amen. be seated. As I told you, it's a little different service for us today, but I kind of wonder if it's a little bit closer to what God had in mind when the church gathered. Just wonder if it's a little bit closer. You know, the church, it said that one of the things they were devoted to was the breaking of the bread or the, what we now call communion. And communion is, for us, this symbol. Uh, it, it is this idea that Christ, we take this bread and it will represent his body that was broken for us and that was raised again. And we'll take a cup in a moment that was a symbol of his blood that was shed on the cross for you and for me and for all mankind in fulfillment of scriptures. And you know, Communion was this thing that was so central to the worship of, in the first church. It was so central because every time they gathered together, they wanted to remember and they proclaimed what Christ had done and that it is finished. In fact, uh, as I'm learning more and more about communion, it was up until about 500 years ago when, when you'd walk into a church, what was center was the table for communion. It wasn't a pastor, it wasn't preaching, it wasn't any one man proclaiming something, but it was this altar reminding ourselves of who Christ was. It was so central. Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. He said, I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he'd given thanks, he broke it, and he said, this is my body that is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 
And in the same way, he took the cup after supper and said, this is a cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. In other words, every time they took communion, it wasn't just, oh, is it communion Sunday today? Is this what we No, they would, it would proclaim the Lord's death. Now, what's the significance of that? It was saying, we believe that in the cross, something happened and that all of the biblical narrative was fulfilled in that moment. We proclaim the death of Christ means that sin and pain and a broken world, that it is finished. So every time we take of this, we're saying, no, no, because of Jesus, it is finished. And though we live in a world where there's disease and there's sickness and there's hurt and there's brokenness and all of this, we look ahead because the resurrection promises us that God is making all things new. And now we live in light of a resurrection reality. Amen? So though we aren't yet experiencing the fullness of God's kingdom, the new heavens and new earth, with the resurrection, when we proclaim that Christ's death, we're also proclaiming his resurrection, and we're saying something fundamentally is different now. And it's not just one day we get to heaven, won't that be great? No, it's now. Something fundamentally is different. We live in light of the resurrection. It is is finished because of Christ. We have new life. We have new hope. And though we still experience the brokenness and the fallenness of this world, it will not have the final word in our day-to-day or in our eternity. Amen? And so when we come to the table, every time, Paul says, you proclaim the Lord's death. You proclaim victory over sin and brokenness and pain. Every time we're proclaiming, Jesus, you won. You won. So all the times when we take communion and maybe it just becomes ritual, I want to challenge us. Can we be the church that when we come to the table and take communion that we say, no, we're proclaiming that something fundamentally is different. And these weird people around me in this room with me are part of this cool family, brothers and sisters of Christ, because something is different because of Christ. But nowhere in the world will you find that, except for in God's church. Paul writes again in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3, he says this, I handed down to you what was of first importance, what I also received. First importance Notice he doesn't go into worship style. He doesn't go into uh, teaching style. He doesn't go into your student ministry plan or kids ministry. He doesn't go into the color of your building. He says, of first importance. It's in, what I've received is this, that Christ died for our sins according to Scripture, and he was buried and placed in a tomb, and he was raised on the third day according to Scriptures. Paul says, this is what I want you to know, that in Christ's life, it is finished. In verse 14 of chapter 15, he said, if Christ had not been raised, our preaching is in vain, is in vain, and your faith is in vain. And if Christ was not raised, let's all grab our surfboards and hit the beach, because this is a waste of time. But he was raised. 
And so this means something. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to go to the communion tables. And uh, we have some of our elders at the tables who will be um, serving you. So you'll go over and they'll remind you by giving you the bread and telling you that this is the body of Christ that was broken for you. And the blood or the, the cup representing the blood of Christ that was shed for you. And what we're asking you to do is, during the song, would you go and receive the elements and then return to your seat and we'll take them all together as a sign of being together, koinonia, interconnected. And if you're outside on the plaza, there is a table out there from which you can receive the elements. If you choose to come in here and receive them, you can do that as well. So during this song, will you go and receive the elements and remember this is Christ saying it is finished it's a holy sacred moment so let's go receive the elements bring them back to your seat as we uh, finish up the lines there we will wait <laughs> again as the church got together Every time they came together after recognizing each other's needs, after leaning in and caring for one another, and then they would go to the table and they would proclaim Christ's death until he comes again. A, a reminder every time that though things feel like they're at the end, though things feel dark, though the world does not go in the right way, way. They're reminded until he comes again that we remember the story is finished. It is finished in Christ. Which is why Paul said every time you come in verse 28 of chapter 11 of Corinthians, he said, examine your heart. And in doing so, you're to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Every time we examine our heart and say, Lord, Am I walking in light of what you've done? Am I receiving this? Am I remembering the new life that's in you? Examine our hearts. So when Jesus gathered together that last night, he took that bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. And every time you take of this, do this in remembrance of me. So today, church, Let's proclaim that the Lord has won. Let's take the bread together as a church. And then he took the cup. And the cup, he said, represented the new covenant in his blood. And what it was was that he has made a promise that none of our sin or shortcomings, none of it can undo what he did on the cross. You can't out-sin God's grace. You can't outrun his mercy. So every time we take of this, we remember that it's on him, not us. By grace we're saved, not by works. And so when we take of the cup, we remembered it is finished today. Let's take it together. Lord God, we thank you for this reminder of your life, your death, and resurrection. We thank you for the reminder, Lord, that it 
is finished in you. While we wait for your kingdom to come, Lord, may your kingdom come now on earth as it is in heaven through our lives. We proclaim that we live in a new resurrection reality. That's who we are. So God, we proclaim that today as a church. We thank you in your name. Amen. We have one last thing to do. We're going to sing together, sing one more song, but we have baptisms because the church also baptized people in there together, and we have a few of those for you. We've got a lot going on today. This is awesome. So would you, uh, let's stand together and sing, and I have a couple people who are being baptized. They're going to meet me up front. We're going to get ready and continue on. Let's end with a celebration. Mornings like this make me kind of get how numbers were added daily. Because when you see God at work and you're in his presence and you strip away all the other stuff, you just say, oh, this makes sense. This is what our world needs. They need the hope of the resurrection. And friends, through you and through me, this is how the world will know the hope of the resurrection. Let me pray. God, I thank you so much for this morning. I thank you for the chance to come around some of our family in great time of need and pain and doubt and uncertainty maybe or just questions. God, to hear stories of joy of how the family has loved well. And God, to go to your table and be reminded that it is finished in the darkest, dark night of this world that we're going through is nothing compared to what you have accomplished. It is done. And God, finally, I thank you that we were reminded of that through baptisms, that you are making all things new and you're doing it every single day. So God, may we go from here and walk in the newness of life that you've given us. We are raised up and alive in Christ. We are your children, God. So we know you're present. We know that you are with us, but Lord, let us be led and and just sense that filling of your spirit as we go to be the hope of the resurrection to a broken, hurting world. May you bless each person here as we go. In your name we pray, amen.